الحمد لله تعالى نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له وما يضلل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا يا أيها الذين آمروا تقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس تقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمروا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يتع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله تعالى وخر الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة we say peace and blessings upon our beloved messenger Muhammad وسلم, upon his family, his companions and those who followed him until the end of time we know of course that out of all human beings those who were tested the most were the prophets and out of all the prophets who faced the most difficult challenges none faced greater challenges than Sayyidina Muhammad and we may think by reading into the world, a world based on who has the new Air Jordans, the new Yeezys, the new type of concealer, contour, whatever, that those tests and challenges may equate to the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not pleased with the person. So like, more difficult, more difficulty they find in their life, the more challenges they find in their life, they may be apt to read into that something which Islam discourages. Because Alhamdulillah, we believe Wallahu ala kulli shay'in qadeer. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in control of all things. And at times, Wa'asa an takrabu shay'an wa huwa khayrun lakum. Wa'asa an tuhibbu shay'an wa huwa shavrun lakum. Wallahu ya'lamu wa antum la ta'lamun. Allah says that maybe you hate something, it's good for you. Like maybe there's, you're going through difficult times, but it's good for you. And maybe you love something and it's bad for you. Allah knows and you don't know. So the believer, their position in difficulties, harms, and ease is to be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The song out now is God's plan. And, and we believe that, that God's plan is really a secret. And that our responsibility in the face of God's plan is to work for the good. فَمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُوا لِقَاءَ رَبِّهِ فَلْيَعْمَنْ عَمَنًا صَالِحًا Whoever believes that they're going to meet Allah, doesn't matter, good, bad, nice situation, bad situation, they're going to continue to work hard. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهُ ثُمَّ اسْتَقَامُوا Those who say they believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they stay consistent. But our beloved messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and his fledgling community were tested in any, really, in a numerable amount of ways. 
Allah says, indeed, we're going to test you in, with different type of means. It's going to inspire fear in your hearts. It's going to cause you to be hungry. You're going to lose family members, friends, property, you name it. You'll be continually tested. As one of our teachers used to say, that the dunya is a place of test because the propensity of human beings is to think that this dunya is khalida, that this dunya will last forever. So one of the great mercies of Allah is to test us, to expose the fragile reality of this world. And that's why Sayyidina Muhammad وسلم, when he was asked, who are the people tested the most? Because I've, I've been in situations where brothers and sisters may be going through difficult times and they'll ask me, does like Allah hate me? Like you're not that important. <laughs> but that's a very real question. And sometimes it can be rooted in the sense of me being the main player on the stage of this world a sense of hubris and narcissism, or it could come from a sincere place. But the Prophet ﷺ never once did he say, I think Allah hates me. Never once did the companions of the Prophet ﷺ in the face of tremendous challenge and difficulty question the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah, inna rahmatallahi qareebun min al-muhsineen. The Quran says, if you're doing good, Allah's rahmah is around you. Whether you're feeling like you're going through the most difficult times in your life, in my life, or whether we're going through good times. May Allah not cause us to suffer a test we can't handle. But the point I'm trying to make is that we should trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in the face of difficulties which are hard to interpret spiritually, we should do what the Prophet on the day of Ta'if, we should ask Allah for wisdom. We should ask Allah who is al-kashif, and yakshif lana al-haqiqah. We should ask Allah to show us the wisdom in hardship so that we can grow through those hardships. And that's why the Prophet وسلم, when he was asked, who are the people that are tested the most? He said, He said, وسلم, the prophets and the righteous people. With that in mind, we're going through a number of tests as a community. It's really difficult. It's like every day, Seems like there's things happening in the world, things happening in this country, uh, and we have to realize that the Muslim community is a community made up of communities, made up of communities. Uh, our diversity is incredible, and there's not one aspect of the body of the Muslims that's not impacted, it seems, daily. But one of the challenges that we face together is the challenge of the toxic populism um, that has become much more popular over the last two years through the Trump administration and others. But we should understand that the prophets faced toxic populism. Populism also can be used for good, inshallah. But we see Sayyidina Musa, Sayyidina Shu'aib, Sayyidina Nuh, prophet after prophet after prophet. A group of people, the majority of people around them would be the ones who would treat them badly and discourage others from following them, make fun of them, tease them, 
And oftentimes it was rooted in a charismatic leader. No one had more swag than Fir'aun. To the point where he became so arrogant, Whenever Fir'aun talks about himself, he uses the first person. But whenever he wants to show power, he talks about the group that's with him. He uses populism, but he's a narcissist. And in the face of this challenging populism, the Prophet Muhammad also had to deal with the people of Mecca and a large group of people, influencers, if you want to use this popular culture terminology, against influencers who didn't have access to Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, but had access to poetry, had access to al-Safa, had access to, to entry points into society to shape the rhetoric around who the Prophet was. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took this very seriously. When they accused the Prophet of being mentally compromised, the Quran immediately responds. When they accused the Prophet of being a sorcerer, it responds. But this test that our community faces now, especially in a form of populism which domesticates hate towards women, towards people of color, towards the vulnerable, towards the poor, that blames poor for their poverty. We perhaps should reflect on some of the things that the Prophet did to engage a toxic form of populism. Populism means how can you make something acceptable and appear as though everybody agrees to it. It was the first trick of shaitan. Actually, when, when shaitan came to our parents, he said, إِنِّي لَكُمَا لَمِنَ النَّاسِحِينَ he didn't say, Ana lakuma nasihun aminun. He said, Inni lakuma nasihun. He said, I'm from a group of people who want to tell you to eat from the tree. But I'm the only one who did it because I got your back. That's the feeling of it. So, how does the Prophet deal first with tests and challenges we mentioned in the face of evil, in the face of what may be seen as traumatic times and difficulties? He's patient. He asks for wisdom. He doesn't stop his work. Because the true activist is not the person who worships the situations, but the true activist is the one is who worships the Lord of all times and situations. We can scoot forward, inshallah, brothers and sisters. Our brothers, in particular, give the sisters some space. We appreciate it. And that's why we see the example of Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu who when he enters into Sham and we ask Allah to bless the people of Syria we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shamana as the Prophet made dua for the people of Sham the area of Syria is so blessed that we have even books 40 hadith on the fadl of Sham wa ahli in Egypt my teachers say ahlu Sham khayru alam you know that the people of Sham are like the best people but we see when Sayyidina Umar begins to enter into Sham and there's a plague. He doesn't say like God hates us and like, you know, God has turned his back on us. But what does he do? He goes back, he leaves. And people ask him like, are you running from Qadr? He said, we're running to the Qadr from the Qadr. Right, the idea of running from what has been destined to us to what's been destined to us. So he understands like he can't run from anything, because everything is under the control of Allah. You can't run from Allah, but you run from this destiny to that destiny by the will of Allah. I mean, you can never give up on trying to affect change. 
no matter the difficulty and no matter the circumstances. So he doesn't allow the circumstances to sway his iman, but he stays consistent in understanding that the circumstances have a Lord, and that Lord is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are some other things that the Prophet taught us. Now that we're going to focus on this idea of populism, we find also in the Quran, first the idea of how to deal with tra traumatic situations and hardships. May Allah bless those of us who are going through hard times. The Prophet also encouraged us to seek medical help if needed, alhamdulillah, to seek the support of the community, to find love amongst the believers. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. But in the face of this toxic populism that we're dealing with in this country, and this is a great test for us, because at the head of this message is the attempt to domesticate hating Muslims and hating Islam. That's at the forefront of, of this message. If we look at the example of the Prophet we find a number of things that we can do as a community, and we are so gifted and so talented, alhamdulillah, that many of our brothers and sisters are already doing this in incredible ways. The first is that the Prophet brings people together. And he understands the more people that he can bring together from a diversified set of backgrounds, the more successful, inshallah, he will be. And we see this, for those of you involved in community organizing, the Prophet when he's asked to settle this dispute between the people of Mecca about who's going to place the stone as they rebuilt the Kaaba, we see that the Prophet, before he was a Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, understands the importance of community partners and diversity in those partnerships. So he asked all of the representatives of the major players of the city of Mecca to hold onto this mantle, to this blanket, and lift up this stone to be placed back into the Kaaba. The, the maturity and nuance and temperance of the Prophet His ability to patiently work with different types of people is really one of the bedrocks of the seerah and his life. And it's what makes him continually successful. The constant effort to find partners and work with people. Even the person who guided him on hijrah was a non-Muslim. And unfortunately you find people asking like, can we be friends with non-Muslims? Like, can you be friends with a bird? Like, no disrespect to anybody, but honestly, if you've been exposed to that kind of religious teaching, we need to hold that teacher's feet to the fire. Because the Prophet his guide to Medina, and the scholars of Sirah are not agreed that this man ever accepted Islam. But the Prophet understands the power of coalition building, and the power of working with others, in the face of challenges. That's what the ulama, they said, there's only one person in history who could be called an ummah, and this is Sayyidina Ibrahim, in the Ibrahim makana ummatan qanita lillah. Only Ibrahim, Allah called him as an ummah. As for Sayyidina Muhammad, Allah says, وَأَيَّدَكَ بِنَصْرِهِ وَبِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ He helped you with the believers. And we know that the Prophet he said, يَبُلَّهِ مَعُ الْجَمَعَةِ That the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with the group. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in encouraging us to engage in these type of strategic relations says, Work together. And this is talking to the Muslims and the people of Mecca. Right? Work together towards good. Don't work together or cooperate towards sin. The second thing that the Prophet he does is he encourages people to refine their personalities and to refine their culture, but he does not force them to lose their personalities or lose their culture. 
This is extremely important. So we find examples in authentic hadith where the Prophet وسلم, in Sahih al-Bukhari would actually use a word which would be considered a, a little bit more than slang. Because a man, he came to the Prophet وسلم, and this man, his dialect in Arabic was Jaffa. We say now, yani, Shabiya. Like, he was hoodie, man. He was like, from the country. So he comes to the Prophet and he starts to ask the Prophet a question. And the Prophet who speaks a refined dialect of Arabic doesn't understand him. And he's like, did you do this? Did you do this? And he would say it back in this kind of strange dialect. And the Prophet said, no, 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 but did you do this? And then finally the Prophet has to use a word that young people would know in his community, people who spoke a certain type of slang. And he said, did you do this? And he said, no, 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 I, no, I didn't do that. When I was studying to be a mufti, we studied a chapter on when it's permissible for a mufti to even use foul language if the person that you're trying to teach, that's what they understand. Based on this hadith of Sayyidina Muhammad alayhi salatu salam using slang, not foul language, to communicate a point to someone. The point is the Prophet did not make this person lose his cultural background, but he accommodates and helps synthesize his relationship into the community. And that's why the scholars of old used to say, as for someone who becomes Muslim and takes a teacher, they should not begin to dress like that teacher and talk like that teacher and look like that teacher. They should maintain their cultural identity because Allah has a plan for you to contribute something greater. But if you're mimicking someone else, unless it's your crossover, you may keep people from your goodness. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ, at times, for example, we know he forbade people from standing for other people, but there will be times when he stood for others. And when he was asked, why did you do that? He said, because in their culture, amongst their people, that's how you greet people. <laughs> the depth and nuance of the da'wah of the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ who will speak, which is lahja badawiya. Sometimes in Medina, when people would come, he will speak the, the dialect of the Bedouin people, right? To make them feel comfortable and part of his community. So now we have in our community a large number of cultures, ethnicities, and talents. Hassan ibn Thabit is not told not to be a poet. He is encouraged to continue being a great poet. Salman al-Farisi, who understands the art of war and architecture, is encouraged to continue to do this. Zaydi Thabit, who knows language, is encouraged to learn Hebrew. So he learned Hebrew, Ibriya. So what I'm saying is now in a community that has artisans, artists, lawyers, finance people, imams, scholars, teachers, academics, social workers, parents, people at home, raising their kids, whatever. We have to welcome the different talents that we have in our community, work to refine those talents to address the infinite number of challenges that face us. The Prophet understands this. And that's why when you read the seerah, you notice that towards the end of the seerah, the Prophet is able to now dip into a pool of resources to help him in his message because these people have refined Khalid bin Walid, refines his talent. Sayyidina Abu Dhar, he refines his talent. Sayyidina Umm Salama, she refines her talent and they're able to contribute in different ways to the message of the Prophet. It is not a monolithic community. The last, insha'Allah, and we'll stop, is that the Prophet understands the importance of taking things step by step. And as we take on this toxic populism, we may lose patience. And it's very easy, you know, 
if you read the news every day, to lose patience. And, and to a certain degree, that's healthy. We should lose patience with certain things. But the Prophet ﷺ, as we mentioned, builds strategic alliances, encourages people to exploit and calibrate their talents for Allah. And then he understands the importance of time and growth. And oftentimes the community were not patient with one another. Um, as Sheikh Muhammad al-Ghazali said, the greatest carriers of kufr are religious people who are not patient with sinners. They're hard on them. But the Prophet said, to rush is from Satan. And we know that the Prophet in Mecca he said to Sahaba, you know, patience, you gotta be patient. As one poet he said, Ya Sabiru al Mutanabi said, Ya Sabiru Isbir. Right? Like, oh patience, be patient. Allah says, Isbiru wa sabiru wa the idea of being patient in the sense of allowing people to grow and seeing our community at times make mistakes. The Prophet ﷺ in Salah, once he forgot a verse of Qur'an, even though he's ma'asum to teach people how to, of course, act in that type of situation, but also to teach people patience. I remember I was talking to one of my students yesterday, there's this poem that we uh, she's reading Tuhfat al-Atfal in Tajweed, it's like a basic poem. And he says, Walami warra karriranna. He doesn't say warra'i. If you spell ra, you have to say ra with hamza at the end. Ra. But here there's no hamza. So she asked me, why, why is there no hamza? Because poems, poets are given some license to make changes in the language to make the rhyme work. Then I said to her, you know how many times I took this book with teachers in Azhar in high school, we studied this book, and I said people would always say, the sheikh, he made a mistake. The poet made a mistake. And always the teacher would say to them, be patient, it's allowed for the poet to do this. We're not patient. Sayyidina Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, after he became Khalifa, his son, Abdul he came to him, and he was upset with his father. He was angry because he said, you know, like, why don't you rush? Why don't you rush reform? Why don't you change the things that these people have done? And he said, Oh my son, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, he, he, you know, critiqued drinking alcohol. But then the third time he made it forbidden. And he said to him, if I were to ask people to suddenly change everything at once, they would reject it at once. And it will become for those people a fitna, a trial. So the last point is that when we're patient, strategically patient, we give ourselves room to make mistakes as a community. We're very tight at times. We don't allow others to make mistakes and fail. But failure is a great teacher. As one of my, my teachers used to say, I said, how did you memorize the Qur'an? He said, I forgot it. Said, SubhanAllah. Allowing people the opportunity to take some chances and grow and, and being accepting and being critical in a way that's strategic. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us, inshaAllah, to think more critically and deeply about our religion and about the engagement of our religion uh, in the current climate in this country. Ask Allah subhanahu wa to bless us to be ala khutawat al-habib sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the footsteps and path of our beloved messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
أقول قولي هذا أستغفر الله لي وأستغفره إنه في الغفور بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله لا أبغي به بدلا حمدا يبلغ لرضوانه الأمل ثم الصلاة على خير الورى وعلى ساداتنا آله وصحبه الفضل Praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, send peace and blessings upon our beloved messenger Muhammad, his companions, his family, and those who follow him. Yesterday, of course, is International Women's Day. We want to, first of all, uh, show our, our, our honor, our sisters here, uh, recognize you, uh, and appreciate your participation and engagement in our community, and that we stand with you, inshallah, in the face of challenges that you may deal with. But... Outside of nice words, it's important to look at the Qur'an and see the role uh, of women and see how crucial that role has been. We know that the Prophet in an authentic hadith said that men and women work together. They assist each other, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But I'll just give you one story, uh, and then there are countless numbers of, of women uh, that we can mention, inshallah, in our dua today. And last night we were praying Maghrib uh, here, and there was a rally in Washington Square, and as I was praying, I made a mistake, I'll be honest, uh, I'll just keep it real. And I was leading the prayer, but I heard this voice that I knew. And it was like really loud. And it sounded like it was holding a, a loudspeaker. And then as I, I, I got to the third rakat, of course, it's a little bit more quiet, so the opportunity to lose your attention is easier. I said, man, that's Linda. <laughs> and uh, Linda was, you know, in Washington Square Park speaking very boldly, very loudly, and speaking a voice of truth, mashallah. And then I started to think that, as one of my teachers from Al-Ib, Ib is a small place in Yemen, one of my teachers, he was amazing, Abu Hamoud, um, he told me that if you look at the story, just one story, out of many in the Quran, the story of Sayyidina Musa, you see that the story of Sayyidina Musa is surrounded by incredible women. First, of course, is his mother sacrifices her son. The second is his sister, the activist, who goes in front of a group of the populist group, Pharaoh and his followers, and she says, I know who can breastfeed this child. That's his sister. She was very young. But of course, his wife, <coughs> who in his attempt to serve his wife, as God of the Greek Urdu poet said, that Musa went for fire to serve his wife and came back a prophet. SubhanAllah. But never question challenges because if they weren't cold, he would have never looked for fire. And if it wasn't dark, they would have never looked for fire either. And then of course the end of the story, you find the wife of Fir'aun, who even under severe torture, even as she's being tortured by her husband, she says, Oh Allah, close to you, the translation in English, you lose something. You lose the HD. You lose the pixels. It says, Allah, close to you, I want a home in paradise. Then the qurba, qabr and ni'mah. One of our teachers he used to say that being closer to Allah is better than Jannah time. So I don't care what the house is. I don't care what I get in Jannah. I just want to be close to you. So, my Lord, close to you, give me this thing in paradise. So as we finish this football, we want to recognize Sister Amira. I think she's probably running around. Oh, she's hiding in the back. 
one of the great leaders of this community, great sister, uh, great uh, participant. Um, Want to also recognize Sister Romesa, who just started working with us. Alhamdulillah, we'll see how that works out. Hey, don't tell her yet. <laughs> and a, a host of other, you know, like one clap. And a host of other incredible women who are Sister Aminata, who's just like consummate, leading, constantly involved. And that at a broader level, um, women in the Muslim community across this country, we mentioned Sister Linda, Zahra Bilo, uh, Clara Mohammed. Um, Layla Muhammad, the, the, the daughter of Imam Dabiri Muhammad, uh, Sister Dr. Sa'ad Abu Khabir, I mean, you can just name Sister Aisha Adawiya. We recognize them and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to continue to use them and to make us truly a community that stands together and works together. And all those sisters that are out there holding it down and struggling and just keeping it real, worried about their lives, their kids, their future. May Allah bless you, inshallah. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect and bless our brothers and sisters in Palestine. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to let us be a means of increasing the needs of being partners in helping in development, restructuring and reimagining the future of the Muslim world, and especially communities affected by poverty, intervention, militarily and politically and economically. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us to reach our potential. Uh, we ask Allah to khudbi aidina, you know, to take us by the hand and really show us that we have to uh, believe in Him more than we fear ourselves. And that through that belief, we ultimately can uncover uh, the greatness that we have and the goodness that we have to share with the people around us. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to heal hearts that are broken or affected by this ratchet dunya. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help the paradise, to help us see paradise in a way which is more beloved to us than this world. Ask Allah to help us in our family relations, and our relationships with our friends, with our school, with our studies. We ask Allah to help us to use this spring break in a way which is, inshallah, fruitful and truly beneficial. We ask Allah to facilitate the studies uh, that people are going through to ease the fears. Some of you I know had exams today. May Allah bless your results, inshallah, and give you high marks. We pray for our parents, those who have departed, those who passed away. We pray for our brothers and sisters in our Umrah. We pray for our sisters in this Ummah. The Ummahat of this Ummah, may Allah continue to bless you and, and help us to truly work together towards a better world. Subhanahu wa rabbika rabbil izzati amayasi wa mussalamun ala al-mursaneen. Alhamdulillah wa rabbil